live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. He does have a tricky body. He does. He doesn't look like, okay, look at this. If that guy's walking down the street, you have no idea who he is. I don't know if you're saying, yeah, he's the best quarterback in the world. This is the Press Box. So our tricky body list is James Harden and Patrick Mahomes. And now Patrick Mahomes runs kind of fun. With Graney and Bischoff. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Travell Beck. Turbo Beck's body is not tricky. We know exactly what Turbo Beck's body is. It is not tricky in any way, not at all. That is a complete lie. Stop trying to put Turbo Beck in that category. On ESPN Las Vegas. No Ed Grady today. He will be back on Monday. It is just Jared and I. We'll have a big lineup of guests today. Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus is going to join us. We're going to talk to Justin Emerson. Uh, Ken Bolke, Cassie Soto, as usual, and uh, Mark Burns from Sports Business Journal on Major League Soccer coming to Las Vegas. As of right now, the Raiders are scheduled to play on Saturday and UNLV basketball is not scheduled to play on Saturday. There's a chance by the end of this show that the opposite of both of those statements will be true. The First Bite. Would losing to Nick Mullins be a new low for the Raiders? So right now, the Browns have 20 players on the COVID list, and that includes their starting quarterback, Baker Mayfield, and their backup quarterback, Case Keenum. And it leaves Nick Mullins as the starter. Um, The Browns have signed two guys that I don't know that are real, Kyle Lauletta and Jake Dolgala to be their number two and potentially number three quarterbacks, um, according to Zach Jackson of The Athletic. Jack Dolgala went to Central Connecticut. and Big football school. Yeah, undrafted. Kyle Lauletta actually got drafted in the fourth round a few years ago. He's been on the Jags practice squad this year, uh, which is probably worse than not being on a practice squad. Uh, But he was actually drafted in the fourth round out of Richmond. Um, So... Yeah, we'll see. Uh, also, breaking news right now, unrelated to the Raiders, Taylor Heineke, the Washington quarterback, has been placed on the COVID list. So there are, what is it? It's it's Rams, Washington, Browns. Those are the three teams that have over 20 players on the COVID list right now. And the Browns are down to quarterback number three. Washington's going to be down to quarterback number two. Uh, yeah, it's gotten... Pretty bad in a lot of sports over the last 10 days, the amount of players that have gone, excuse me, onto the COVID list. NFL is an interesting one in that it's very hard to postpone the games without extending the season. NBA, NHL, they have off days. You can cram in games on the same week. Can't really do that in the NFL. So the NFL is going to push through as much as they possibly can. I just, I don't know where the line is on it for, hey, we have to postpone this game. Because, like, again, the Browns have 20 right now. If 10 more guys are on that list today, are they really playing a game tomorrow? Like, you get 53 on your active roster. You're telling me more than half the active roster's down? You're playing a game? That seems ridiculous. Like, it, regardless of the scenario, regardless of, hey, we don't want to extend the season an extra week, that would seem absurd to make a team play with less than half of their active roster. And... You know, the quarterback position being the most important, being down to your number three guy, but also their secondary right now, it's what? I think it's three, their top three corners or their top three safeties and like three of their top five corners all are out right now on the COVID list. Like 
don't know. It's insane. It's ridiculous. I'm, so I'm just not understanding, like, even if you're vaccinated, you can obviously get COVID, but how close, like, were the Browns group hugging at the end of meetings? Like, I'm, I'm super confused. Yeah, I mean, the... As far as protocols go, it's if you're if you're vaccinated, you're there's not really much they restrict you from doing. Like it's right. not it's not like you can't be in the same room or anything anymore. Like Has it's, anyone on the Browns said they have symptoms? Because basically everything I've read is like no. I have not seen anybody say they have symptoms. I'll the only but the only one I know for sure is Baker Mayfield came out and said he felt fine. I I haven't seen anybody else say they felt fine or bad, which is. And that's sort of the com. That's okay. What do you do as a league right now when the major, the vast majority of your players are vaccinated, but they're testing positive, but they don't have symptoms. So, because here, here's what you would do. You know, I mean, that's what the vaccine is for, right? But here's what you would do. Ideally, is you would have all of your players vaccinated, and if somebody tests positive, it's fine. Because everybody's vaccinated. And if you're vaccinated, you're significantly less likely to get sick or die from COVID. So you would play even though you're positive and vaccinated. The problem, though, is that people are unvaccinated, not just in the NFL, but outside the NFL. And these players live outside NFL games. So even if you are vaccinated and you play another team that is vaccinated and somebody on that team has COVID, ideally, you you know, if you were just in an NFL bubble, yeah, you just play. And if they're positive, but you're all vaccinated, whatever, like you're just going to pass it to each other. The issue becomes outside of the NFL, people are unvaccinated. And if they get sick, they're much more likely to go to the hospital. They're much more likely to die. And that's where part of the issue is, is you don't want to overwhelm hospitals with people that are sick from COVID-19. So you can't just, you can't be a good member of society and just play, have people play through positive COVID tests, even if they're all vaccinated, because there are other people in society that are unvaccinated that will have to go to the hospital if they get sick and overwhelming the hospitals is what is one of the major concerns of the COVID-19 pandemic. So, in a you know, well, in an ideal world, I should say there'd be no COVID-19, but like the next, yeah, I mean, the yeah. next step down from ideal, the second level of ideal would be everybody's vaccinated and you just go on as normal saying, all right, you're vaccinated and your, your chances of getting sick or dying are significantly less, but that's not reality that we live in because lots of people are still unvaccinated. So I guess the NFL is going to make them play. I mean, the NFL seems pretty, uh, like they, they seem pretty, yep, we're playing. That's that's the end of it. Like, there is no conversation about not playing it. And it's going to be Nick Mullins uh, playing quarterback for the Browns. Last Listen, last time he played the Raiders was his debut, and he threw for three touchdowns, 262 yards. Uh, the 40, he was with the 49ers. They beat the Raiders 34-3 to in 2018. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what actually happens with this game because we're, what are we, 30 hours away? From kickoff, we're going to get another round of testing this morning, and that's it. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, by the way, also an update, some more breaking news this morning. I love when they wait till 7 a.m. for the breaking news. This is very, so this the, is very yeah, good this morning. Yeah. Talk about it. Not yeah. the not the 10.01 breaking news. So, UCLA 
will not play against North Carolina on Saturday. What that means, most likely, is that UNLV will not be playing Kentucky on Saturday. Uh, If you have no idea what I'm talking about, that's okay. Stick with me here. Kentucky was supposed to play Ohio State Saturday at T-Mobile Arena. Ohio State has COVID issues, and Ohio State had to cancel. They're not playing games right now. Kentucky still wants to play a game in Las Vegas tomorrow. UNLV was an option, right? UNLV doesn't have a game tomorrow. UNLV is obviously here. They don't have to travel to get in. So UNLV was an option to go replace Ohio State and play Kentucky at T-Mobile Arena. However, UCLA and North Carolina also supposed to play in Las Vegas tomorrow. UCLA has COVID issues, and just now they have announced that they will not be playing North Carolina on Saturday, which means North Carolina should be here, Kentucky should be here, and instead of playing other teams, they will play each other, most likely again. We'll find a ball. Right. Most likely they will play each other tomorrow, which would take UNLV out of the picture of potentially playing a game on Saturday. So there, there was a possibility that UNLV was going to be playing Kentucky in about 30 so, hours from now. The one opportunity I would have gotten to see UNLV play on television would have been them getting waxed by Kentucky. I actually don't know. Would it be on TV? Oh, my God. Why is it anything on TV? I Well, okay. I assume it, it's the CBS Sports Classic. So it would have been on CBS Sports Network. I would hope so. Yeah. Or CBS. It, it's the CBS Sports Classic. On Peacock. Yeah, it it might actually could have been on CBS. I don't know what they would have done. Like, I mean, if you're CBS and you're broad, you're planning to broadcast Kentucky, Ohio State, and you're like, all right, now we got Kentucky and UNLV. We still putting this on TV, guys? Paramount Plus. <laughs> that might have been the conversation. So, again, not final yet, but it looks like UNLV will not play Saturday, and then instead it'll be Kentucky playing North Carolina at T-Mobile Arena. And this is... Like, this is where, this is, I feel like, where we were a year ago, where it felt like, oh, any game at any moment could just not be played, and we're just going minute by minute as to which games are and are not going to be postponed. And we got, I mean, hell, we got a whole baseball season in without, there were a few teams that had some issues, right, but not anything super significant, and now it feels like we're all the way back to where we were this time last year, where it's like, oh, well sucks you just have to postpone games and leagues are very hesitant to do that but we're starting to get a lot we've seen a lot of it in college basketball we've seen a lot of it in the nhl a little bit in the nba now it's starting to pick up we have not seen any postponements in the nfl and they're probably the ones they're going to hold out the most to not do it oh man i i i just don't understand that this is like this seems like we should have been able to make some sort of mandate where it was like, okay, stop creating variants by not being vaccinated. <laughs> uh, one other note Part on the Raiders. Though, also, Tuesday night football, pretty good. <laughs> what about Wednesday football? Oh, I loved that too. Uh, one other Why note don't they just on do the that? Raiders? Because it screws up your whole schedule. Are you kidding me? They already complain about playing on Thursdays. That it, there's there's more injury. I mean, 
legitimate arguments. There's more injuries on Thursday night games or teams that play on Thursdays. You play on Wednesday all of a sudden. Is that now you're either play, having what two days off between your Sunday game and your Wednesday game? No, you literally or, just like you play. If you played on Monday, you get to play on Sunday the next week. Then you play on Tuesday. Like you know, you like you you stagger it. I think the Mac does a better job of scheduling than what I just the, came up with. Well, I was going to say point. the NFL, but also you. Yeah, like. Well. <laughs> Uh, one last thing on the Raiders, Darren Waller, not going to play on Saturday. He has not practiced this week. He has not practiced since he got hurt on Thanksgiving, which again, he got hurt. It was regarded as like a, I don't know if minor's the right word, but it wasn't his ACL, right? Was the big relief. And they did not put him on IR. Normally you put a guy on IR if he's going to be out for three weeks or more. They did not do that, which again, suggested that he'd be back within three weeks and he is not back within three weeks of that. So it feels very much like the Richie incognito situation where it's like, yeah, he'll be ready for the opener. Oh, you know, week three or so. Oh, after the bye week. And then it's always oh, done for the year. It feels very much like that where we're not going to see Darren Waller play. Hey, at least we know it's a lower body injury coming up next. We know the exact band. Ligament? Is it a ligament? IT band. I don't know what it is, but we know exactly what it is that he hurt. Coming up next was last night the best bad football game of the season. Burton gets it on a trap inside the five. Burton grinding, grinding into the end zone. Touchdown! Kansas City brats on the grill for everybody. It's Michael Burton. They fake to Edward Hilaire. They fire for the end zone. Caught Tyreek Hill. Back in the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. They fake the flip pass. Now Mahomes pump faking, still moving. Fires it late. It is caught by Edwards Hilaire. Field to the right side of Mahomes. Steps up. Flush to his right. Pump faking. Now fires it late for Kelsey, who dives and catches it. Left side touchdown. Kansas City on the right side of the field. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia, come see a Kia on West Sahara. We've got a lot that we're giving away today. We're going to have Disney on Ice tickets, a four-pack. We're going to have tickets to the Golden Knights against the Kings on December 23rd. We're going to have the Porta Subs football tailgate tray. Uh, and we're also going to have Friday Football Frenzy Thanks Dollar Loan Center where you're going to have a chance to win 100 bucks if you can accurately predict the winner of three NFL games. All of that coming up throughout the show. Now, last night was awesome. Chiefs beat the Chargers 34-28 in overtime in what I believe is a pretty fair statement, the best bad football game of the season. I do not think either of those teams actually played well. And yet it was extremely entertaining. One of the most fun games to watch this season. So like, cause you had multiple dropped passes that would have been touchdowns. You had a fumble in the goal line by the chargers. Patrick Mahomes threw one of the worst passes on fourth and goal. I think I've ever seen a quarterback throw genuinely Jared could have thrown a touchdown <laughs> yeah. on that play and Mahomes somehow threw it directly into the ground 10 yards short of the receiver on a pass that was, I don't know, 11 yards down the field. Like it like basically spiked the ball on fourth and goal. Like it was not a well-played game. Even, even the game winning touchdown where Travis Kelsey scores, like how did Travis Kelsey not get touched on that play? 
I, I don't know. It's not like it's not Tyree Kill where it's like, oh yeah, he changed direction and he's just gone. Travis no. Kelsey just kind of like, yeah, I'm gonna run that way and yeah, nobody caught me. Cool touchdown. Like also Travis Kelsey, notable for having bad knees. <laughs> <laughs> so like it was. I do not think it was a well played game last night. It was not highly entertaining. A very fun game to watch and. Somebody that loves analytics football. It's a great game for that conversation because uh, a lot Brandon of Staley, fourth down stops. Yeah, Brandon Staley goes for it twice uh, on fourth down inside the five yard line, and they do not convert either one of them. Also, had a failed fourth down uh, that was n- not inside the five, but they could have kicked the field goal. They did convert a couple of fourth downs. One of the touchdowns they scored was on a drive where they went for it on fourth and short and field goal range and picked it up and went on to score a touchdown. We also had Kansas city fourth down inside the five yard line. They went for it. And that's the play where Patrick Mahomes managed to throw it into the ground, right? Both teams failed on fourth down situations inside the opponent's five yard line. And obviously as we do in all of our sports, but specifically this year in the NFL, is there's a lot of yelling about fourth down decision-making because when you fail on a fourth down, lots of people say, oh, should have taken the points. You got to play football like we did in 1983. You got to take the points when you're given the opportunity. And it's factually wrong. Like we have win probability models. And I think every single one I saw last night agreed that the Chargers and the Chiefs should have gone for it in all of those fourth down situations that they were adding to their chances to win the game by going for it. Now, that doesn't mean, like, because here's my thing. The fourth down decisions should not be the story of the game last night. The story should be the failed execution on many of the players here, right? Jared Cook on, what was that one, third and goal? Wide open on the goal line, just drops Justin Herbert's pass. I mean, it's, a free touchdown drop. Does it just drop it catches it and <laughs> bounces it off of his own shoulder. If Jared cook catches that, they never go for it on third down. The first drive of the game for the chargers was one of these fourth down decisions before they got to fourth down. There was a dropped pass in the end zone. You have the chargers try to run it in. This was not a fourth down decision, but Joshua Kelly fumbles it while trying to jump over the pile. That, to me, is the bigger story than Brandon Staley going for it on fourth down. Brandon Staley going for it on fourth down, shouldn't to me, it should be a non-story, right? He did what he was supposed to do as a head coach. He's supposed to put his team in the best chance to win, and going for all of those puts you in the best chance to win. The bigger story is that his team was god-awful. When you drop multiple would-be touchdowns in goal-to-go scenarios, when your running back fumbles trying to jump over the pile, what? Not the coach. Like, score a damn touchdown. Like that they're perfect. Like it's a perfectly executed or designed play except for the catching part. So I, to me, that's the bigger story here is the failed execution on those plays where you have multiple drop passes, a running back, getting stuff, Patrick Mahomes spiking it or whatever the hell he did. Like multiple times in this game, there was a chance to make the fourth down decision irrelevant and the players failed at basic tasks. I mean, that's, that come that's that's with every fourth down decision. Like we're saying, go for it on fourth down. If you never have to go for it on fourth down, that's probably a better right. situation to be right. in than us to discuss 
well, should have he gone for it the second time on fourth yeah. down? It's like, well, maybe convert on third. Yeah. And that's the other part of the argument. You should go for it on fourth down every single time. Like the uh, like, if you're going to be Brandon Staley in that situation where you have multiple failed fourth downs, you can't change your thinking, you know, the third time around because the whole the whole point of going forward on fourth down is gaining a slight advantage in the math, gaining a slight advantage in you know your expected points or your win probability, and if you suddenly stop doing it, you're defeating the purpose because the whole the whole point of win probability is the more the bigger the sample size you have it's going to work out in your favor more often. Yes, you're going to fail sometimes because we're talking about a 60-40 decision, right? This isn't a 100-0. It's a 60-40 decision. You want to be on the 60 side, so you need to keep going for it over and over and over because eventually you're going to get it right more often than you get it wrong in terms of executing. So you can't stop going for it because you didn't get it earlier, especially when, like, it's not like your team is completely overmatched. It'd be one thing if the Chargers were running out there on fourth and short and just had no chance of converting. But that's not true. They, they just, just dropped passes. Like, if you're a coach, like, all right, we're going to do that again. Like, I'm going to throw it to Jared Cook open in the end zone again. And, yeah, that's what you're going to do. Okay, it was I insane for at one point while the Chargers had the ball driving down the field and a touchdown would put them up by eight my thoughts were, let them score. Let them score as quickly as possible. It's fourth down with less than five minutes left. Let them score, get the ball back, go down, and score eight points. So that that's actually probably the more interesting discussion, not what you're bringing up. But oh, thank you. On Brandon Staley and the idea of, hey, if the Chargers go down and score and kick the extra point, they go up by eight. Chargers score, you're up seven, go for two and nine. Like your idea is, yeah, let them score, and it's, an eight point game. Mahomes can go down and tie the game, hopefully. But if you're the chargers, I think you do in that scenario, consider, all right, should we go for two to make it a nine point game, make the Chiefs score twice uh, because, you know, Mahomes scores a touchdown and gets the two point conversion. Now the difference there is that a two point conversion is about 50, 50. So even if you give up the touchdown to the chiefs and you're up by eight, it's still, you still got a 50% chance of stopping the two pointer, but I would like to see teams go for it to go up nine. I just think that's more fun, but your idea is not necessarily wrong. Like not necessarily. I but. just, I have been burned in the past by Andy Reed calling timeouts while the other team is in the red zone and me being like, just let them score and keep your timeouts for the ensuing drive. Nope. Nope. Get the ball back right now. Coming up next. Ben Brown from pro football focus joins the show. Mahomes takes the snap at his right thigh, dumps it over the middle, caught by Kelsey at the 30, spins back up behind Kelsey at the 15-yard line, Kelsey at the 10-5, touchdown, Kansas City in the biggest AFC West game in five years. The Chiefs put the hammer down with a 34-yard touchdown pass, Mahomes to Kelsey, and the Chiefs take a commanding two-game lead in the AFC West with a gutsy, gutsy, gutsy win in overtime. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Grady and Tyler Bischoff. Okay, I love how he threw the rest of the AFC West under the bus in his game-winning touchdown call by calling it the biggest AFC West game in five years <laughs> because all the other teams have been irrelevant for the Chiefs for five years now. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Ben Brown. Uh, ben, did that feel like the the best bad football game of the year last night? 
I mean, I mean, I enjoyed it quite a bit, right? Obviously, there were, you know, some decisions that are being dissected, uh, you know, across the NFL landscape here today. But uh, I thought it was really entertaining, you know, lots of efficient offense and, you know, two of uh, probably the best quarterbacks in the NFL going back and forth. So uh, I loved it basically from every perspective, I would say. So my favorite part of the entire game was that the chargers punted once and it came with less than 30 seconds to yeah. go in the fourth quarter and they lost the game. Like you normally you punt once and it's in the last minute of a game. You probably win, but they punted once and lost. Right. Yeah. That is, that is the most perplexing stat I think of the game. That's for sure. I mean, obviously, um, you know, some of the fourth down decision-making uh, they, uh, you know, isn't that is being much maligned here uh, on Friday morning, but you know, they were really efficient offensively. I think there were, you know, a few bounces that didn't necessarily go their way, but uh, it's definitely a game that uh, they should have definitely won outright pretty convincingly uh, in regulation. All right. I am curious what you're doing this week when it comes to trying to evaluate a team you do or don't want to bet on and how many players we have out on COVID. Like I know you've tweeted out a couple of times, the uh, how many, uh, what the war that teams have lost because of on the COVID list this week, like how are you even approaching this week at the moment? Right. Definitely. I do think, you know, we always hear you, you got to bet early. You got to do this and this, you know, first thing, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, those sorts of things. And this is definitely a week to uh, probably wait and react. Uh, as not necessarily as late as possible, but once information kind of comes in, right? So we're seeing things like, you know, Taylor Heineke isn't going to be playing for Washington here on Sunday uh, up against Philadelphia. That probably impacts, you know, not just the spread, but also the total, right? Probably a much less efficient offense from Washington's perspective. So uh, I'm trying to react to news as it comes in. Obviously, the Cleveland Browns, Las Vegas Raiders situation uh, sounds like, you know, the COVID bowl of 2021 happening here on Saturday afternoon. So uh, going to be really tough uh, to feel really confident in a lot of these matchups. I think you got to almost kind of like wait, uh, see how the market initially adjusts, and then probably re- react to, uh, you know, like an alternative uh, line derivative market or maybe even something in the player prop market uh, probably here on Sunday morning. It's probably the safest and best approach for how I'm going to handle it here in week 15. All right. So you mentioned the Browns and Raiders. Uh, the Raiders have been like in a tailspin for a while now, but they're playing a team that's got 20 guys on the COVID list. They're down to Nick Mullins at quarterback. They're down like six guys in the secondary that would be getting playing time if they weren't on the COVID list. If the, assuming this game actually gets played, because I guess the Browns could have more guys going on the list today, assuming it gets played, like I don't even want to know about the point spread. Do you have confidence the Raiders actually win a game? <laughs> Not a ton, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, and and uh, I've I've been backing them here. I've backed them basically all season. I've kind of cooled off a little bit on them, but I have still backed them in the last couple of weeks. And I do not have uh, much confidence given the situation uh, that they have they found themselves in previous weeks for that they're going to you know end up winning. Obviously, they you know have gotten a lot of benefit from the Browns' COVID situation this week. Lines move basically from you know minus six and a half Cleveland. Uh, to plus three and a half. So, you know, right around a 10 point differential in spread from uh, where it opened at in the week to when it closed that. We just don't see those sorts of movements uh, outside of COVID news, really, right? And I think this is the most dramatic one that we're going to have here on Saturday. So, if they're going to win a game, get over their season long win total, this absolutely has to be it. It is set up perfectly for them, but I, I, I don't have confidence in them. I do think the Browns are probably uh, the playable side here at plus three and a half uh, on on Saturday. So uh, it's not a great feeling back in the Raiders, but we'll see if they can actually pull it out for us here. Unrelated to COVID Lamar Jackson uh, has not been practicing this week. He got hurt last week and Tyler Huntley had to come in. 
What would you prefer if you were betting on Baltimore that Lamar Jackson plays while not a hundred percent or that Tyler Huntley plays? Yeah, I would, I would prefer um, probably Tyler Huntley. He has looked, he has looked the part as not necessarily the perfect backup quarterback in the NFL, but the perfect backup quarterback for this Baltimore Ravens offense, right? I don't think him and Lamar Jackson necessarily, necessarily interchangeable, uh, but he has shown the ability to, you know, extend plays under pressure, be able to make some throws downfield and hit all of his accurate things. That was something that we saw, you know, him coming out of Utah in college. He was one of the most accurate uh, passers in the college football FBS era in his season. Uh, and that's kind of carried forward for him, right? I mean, he has made all the plays that the Ravens kind of deem necessary. My issue with back in the Ravens this week uh, is, you know, all the surrounding pieces around the quarterback position, right? Because they're banged up, you know, defensively in the secondary, uh, offensive line, uh, some crucial weak link system. So, um, and, and it seems like betting against the Packers right now, uh, maybe the hottest team in the NFL. So uh, I'm not sure it's even going to matter who's playing at quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. I do think that the Packers are probably going to cover by at least one touchdown here uh, on Sunday. All right. At the top of the NFC, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and Arizona, DeAndre Hopkins is out for the rest of the regular season, potentially could come back uh, in the playoffs. I'm curious, are those three teams in your mind close enough that losing DeAndre Hopkins would make a difference in the playoffs? But, you know, when it comes to a point spread of who would actually be favored in those games? Um, I do think even with DeAndre Hopkins, both Tampa Bay and Green Bay would be favored over an Arizona Cardinals team uh, on a neutral field. But even if they were playing in Arizona uh, with DeAndre Hopkins or without, I do think he probably he matters a little bit uh, to the point spread, but not not anything too significant where um, they're going to be dropping from like a favorite to an underdog right now. I still do think the Buccaneers and the Packers are the two best teams in the NFC. I would put the Cardinals, uh, you know, closer on the same tier as, you know, a team like the Rams who just beat them uh, on Monday night. And then Dallas is probably just a little bit uh, below them. And I do think those are definitely, you know, the clear five best teams in the NFC right now. Ben Brown from pro football focus with us. Um, all right. So given that Washington's not going to have Taylor Heineke and potentially a lot more players for the game against Philly, the Eagles are going to make the playoffs, aren't they? I mean, it is definitely shaping up like that right now. Right. I mean, uh, you know, Minnesota may have a say, and I do think uh, San Francisco is basically all but locked into that sixth seed. So it kind of comes down to Philadelphia, New Orleans, Minnesota, uh, and Washington, right? And Washington's really banged up this week, the COVID situation with Taylor Heineke and everybody else. Uh, Philadelphia has by far the easiest remaining schedule of those four teams. So uh, if, you know, from a betting market perspective, from a PFF simulation perspective, they are the most likely team uh, to get that seventh seed. And I think, you know, they're kind of, they're kind of an interesting out with, you know, Jalen Hurts at quarterback. A lot of people don't necessarily give him uh, the credit that he's due, uh, but they are, they're, they're, they're going to be a tough out uh, in that last spot in the NFC from my perspective. Okay, you have to bet one of these two games, Texans, Jags, or Jets, Dolphins. <laughs> I'm going I'm going Texans, Jaguars, and I'm going with the Texans and a little bit of an overreaction to Urban Meyer no longer being the coach, coach of the Jaguars. It's not that, we saw that move up from, like, you know, minus three Jacksonville all the way up to minus five and a half. Uh, I think the Texans are the, are the correct side at that price, so I'm, I'm betting the Texans 
I'm rolling with it. I'm also rolling with a little bit more points being scored in that match as well. And uh, I'll probably have to be tuning in a little bit because I think that might be one of the safer, <laughs> oh, the safer games to bet here on Sunday for oh, sure. Boy. So I just <laughs> assume, punishment. I assume Texans Jags is like the first time the NFL decides, you know what? We don't need to put this one on TV. No, we're not going we're, here. Yeah, this one's not going anywhere. I do. By the way, I do love the idea that there's going to be more points scored now that Urban Meyer's gone. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, it's, it has to happen, right? Uh, uh, addition by subtraction, basically. I think that's what the betting market's going with. Uh, I agree with it to a certain extent. I'm kind of, I'm kind of excited to see, you know, Trevor Lawrence unleashed a little bit here. Thirty-nine and a half points, not very much. I don't think either defense is all that great. So I definitely think uh, this is a game that's going to be uh, on the red zone channel a lot more than probably what people anticipate here on Sunday. I mean, at this point, shouldn't both these teams be like trying to lose? Relative. They should be, but they should be, but I don't think they're going to, right? I think that they've shown both teams. I mean, I guess the Jaguars, we don't really know what to expect from them without Urban Meyer, but Texans have shown at least a little bit enough um, to the point where they're not going to actively tank. Um, but yeah, this is a game where, you know, long-term for the future outlook, uh, neither team necessarily wants to win, that's for sure. But we haven't really seen too many teams actively tank outside of Philadelphia last year in the NFL. Well, he is Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. Ben, as always, we appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, Tyler. Have a great rest of your show. Thank, Thank you. you. So there has been Brown. Hopefully, we need more teams that are actively tanking. That's much more. Fun. Well, you, you, what you really need is you need the player, like at least the quarterback, to be on board with yeah. the tank. Like, so right, that it's just like, yeah, all right, you can locate to, the safety, throw it to him. You could go to Trevor Lawrence and be like, you're going to be here for a while. We need a higher draft pick to help you out. We need you. We need somebody to. Somebody to help you out. Yeah, so, you know, let's help us lose a game. It'll be fine. All right. You got $100 or a chance of winning $100. Thanks to the Dollar Loan Center Friday Football Frenzy. We're going to give you three games in the NFL. You pick the winner of those three games. No point spreads, just the winner. And you will get $100 thanks to Dollar Loan Center's Friday Football Frenzy. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. You got a shot at 100 bucks. You know, I felt really comfortable with all of those decisions. And, uh, you know, the first one, it's a you know, perfect pass. And, and, you know, just you have this this really, you know, tragic thing happen, you know, on the way down. And, uh, you know, the one at the end of the half, I, I, I love that. And, and then you just, you know, you know, we just missed Jared on the stick, you know, and um, that's the way we're going to play around here. That's the way we're going to play. And, um, you know, when we have a quarterback like ours and we have an offense like ours, that's the way we're going to play because that's how you need to play against Kansas City for sure. Um, and that's how uh, we're going to become the team that we're ultimately capable of being is, is by playing that way. And, um, you know, uh, I'm really proud of our guys. I thought like we competed like champions today um, and they made a couple more plays in the fourth quarter and in overtime than we did. But I felt like our guys laid it on the line tonight and I'm very, very proud of them for that. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Almost a good quote, and then he said we competed like champions. Almost good, and then he threw in some weird cliche about moral victories. Come on, Brandon Staley, you're better than that. All right, it's the Dollar Loan Center Friday football frenzy. We got $100 on the line. Matt is on the phone, and if he can get the winners of these three games, He'll take home 100 bucks. All right, Matt, your first game is Patriots at Colts. Oh, let's go Patriots. All right. Your second game, Titans at Steelers. Titans. All right. And your final game, Cowboys at Giants. 
Cowboys. All right. So if the Patriots, Titans, and Cowboys all win, they'll take home $100. Thanks, Dollar Loan Center. Uh, thank you, and good luck, Matt. Thank you. Have a good day. So, uh, Dollar Loan Center Friday football frenzy. We're trying to give away money every week. Pick three winners, and you get 100 Picked bucks. three away teams. He did. Pick, did pick three away teams. Um, if one of those teams loses, or ties, I guess, technically, uh, we will. It'll roll over. We'll have two hundred bucks to give away next week. I kind of hope we get the sim- a similar, and not, not that I don't want to give away the money. I do want to give away the money, but I kind of hope we get to the situation we got into uh, last year, where during the Super Bowl we were like, okay, first half total. No, it was <laughs> it was we did a. Was it Clyde Edwards-Alaire rushing yards against UNLV points? Like we we did yeah. one of the weird props that was fun. Yeah, we that does sound right. But we were just like, we need to give away this money. <laughs> All right, you guys can't seem to win. So if Matt can pull that off, he'll have a hundred bucks thanks to Dollar Loan Center. Now, some basketball news here in Las Vegas. Uh, it is official. North Carolina North will play Carolina. Kentucky at two thirty. Uh, that game is going to be at T-Mobile Arena uh, tomorrow. So again. If you have not been paying attention the last 24 hours, Kentucky was supposed to play Ohio State at T-Mobile Arena tomorrow. Ohio State has COVID issues and is not able to play. Kentucky still wanted to play a basketball game in Las Vegas. They're here. UNLV is in Las Vegas. UNLV was potentially going to be a substitute to play in that game. However... UCLA and North Carolina also scheduled to play at T-Mobile Arena. UCLA is unable to play because of COVID issues. They had had to cancel some games earlier uh, this week already. So North Carolina and Kentucky are just simply going to play each other at T-Mobile Arena on Saturday. If UCLA had been able to play tomorrow, there's a good chance UNLV would have been playing Kentucky tomorrow in a game scheduled about 24 hours in advance. But it'll be North Carolina and Kentucky. Not to get in, in far, way too far into a hypothetical that wound up not being a hypothetical. Had they competed against Kentucky, would we have been like, that's a good quad one loss? Uh, yeah, probably. Is Kentucky good enough to be quad one this year? Yeah, they are. Right, yeah. They're 21st in Ken Palm. So, yeah, I mean, we'd be talking about moral victory, that's for sure. Well, that's all we ever talk about. They come in and, hey, they've gotten some real victories in a row here. Um, fun fact Didn't about Didn't you call Kentucky, one of them a moral loss? Yeah, that was that was the last game against Omaha. We got moral victories. You got to have moral defeats, right? There's got to be the opposite. I, I, I don't think so. I think I think that. If you give the other team a moral victory, that counts as a moral defeat for you. You can't have I, a moral I think, victory I think, without a moral defeat. I think you're focusing on the process too much, and you need to focus on the scoreboard. Yeah. Moral victory the, the for moral Omaha. scoreboard Omaha got a moral victory in Las Vegas on Wednesday which means you know we had to get a moral defeat but the they got an actual win yes and when you get a moral victory you get an actual loss <laughs> that's how these things work no it's supposed to be something you tell your kids so they don't feel like crap well yeah Kevin Kruger's not gonna walk in and say they got a moral defeat I'm just saying the <laughs> Omaha head coach walked into his locker room and made them feel good because they had a lead with nine minutes to go against UNLV. Omaha got a moral victory, which means somebody had to have a moral defeat. And it was UNLV. Every time Marcus Arroyo got a moral victory this year, the other team got a moral defeat. 
The other team, but the other team got an actual win. I'm fully aware. Okay, that's why we make fun of moral victories, Jared. What are you doing? I just, I'm just, I'm. Why like, are you so lost on moral victories? Because I didn't think. I thought it was like one of those things where there's not another side. There has to be. If there's a victory, who lost? Who'd you beat? <laughs> All right, go keep move, move on to whatever's on the rundown. I'm, 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 I'm lost on this. So you know he's not going to play Kentucky tomorrow. Oh. They don't play again until Wednesday against San Diego. Now, quickly on one thing on UNLV. Keyshawn Gilbert. This kid has got to be the most interesting player that UNLV has. He had he forced four turnovers in 90 seconds against Omaha, which sounds fake, but th- that's a real thing. He forced four turnovers in 90 seconds, had three steals and took a charge in 90 seconds. That's insane. To do that, four straight possessions, Keyshawn Gilbert alone forced a turnover. Even when you're playing a bad team like Omaha, to do that by yourself four plays in a row is insane. And that's Keyshawn Gilbert's, he's good at that. He's like a, a menace, right? He will he will <laughs> force turnovers. Yes, he will force turnovers in a very annoying way. But the problem is that Keyshawn Gilbert will also get burnt defensively, right? He'll get driven by on a somewhat regular basis. Um, but probably the bigger issue is that Keyshawn Gilbert has the highest turnover rate on the team. And he had three turnovers in the game against Omaha. Two of them, he dribbled off his own leg. Oh, God. Like him, him trying to drive into the paint dribbles it off his own leg, which is like, it's such a bad turnover. You're like, all right. It's not like you threw a bad pass or made a bad read. You, you failed at like the most basic part of this game, which is dribbling it without hitting yourself with the ball. So it's tripling while in motion. Right. So it's fascinating because Keyshawn Gilbert, there's a lot of plays he makes where you're like, that guy shouldn't come off the floor, but there's also a lot of plays he makes where you're like, that guy should never see the floor. And so it's fascinating to see what's Keyshawn Gilbert going to be this year and in his career. Cause he could be really good.